Hey, you're listening to the first episode of the four-part curated conversation series between Shade and Convergence, the South London Gallery's platform for critical conversations, screenings and written commissions. In this series, we'll be asking, does the media have the potential to challenge racism? And today I'm in conversation with Kevin Morosky, filmmaker and co-founder of POC, which is the creative network accelerating equality and equity for culturally and ethnically diverse people in the creative industries. Kevin's work is also available alongside this talk on the Convergence page of the South London Gallery website. Please check the Shade Podcast show notes, social media or our website or the South London Gallery website for links to view his work alongside this podcast. Okay, let's launch into the conversation. Enjoy. Okay, so hey, Kevin. Hello. Nice to have you here. Hi, thank you for for having me. I'd like it's always a pleasure talking to you. Oh, well, you too. So, should we introduce ourselves? I'll start. I'm Lou Menser. I'm producer and host of Shade Podcast. Hi, and I am Kevin Morosky. I'm a creative director, currently a creative director at Havas Media. I'm also the co-founder of POC and head of creative there. And then me, myself and I, I'm just, uh, I guess, a bit of a social commentator and filmmaker. And you've joined me, Kevin, to talk about your work within advertising. And can you just tell us a little bit about perhaps how you're about the work you do commercially for work and a little bit about your your personal filmmaking as well. Yeah, sure. So I think um, in terms of advertising, but well, I didn't come in via the traditional route and I, I also deeply hate that term, um, traditional, because I, I think it just refers to access and who does and doesn't have access. Yeah. Uh, that's what, It's a nice way of just being like, we're blocking you from coming in here, regardless if your talent is the biggest talent they've seen in an age like it doesn't really matter it's just like well traditionally you wouldn't do that so there we go I started as a photographer that then got into kind of film and storytelling uh I did bits and bobs and I was in all of the kind of I guess cool places I'm doing that thing with my fingers (sighs) and didn't really like it that much because I thought it was all about art and telling like stories and I realized that I was just kind of being used as a token and wasn't interested that then led to me having a bright idea that I could probably do advertising and I could influence it just in a way of like, where are these decisions kind of coming from? Because the work started to become a lot more commercial. And when things become a lot more commercial, there's a lot more brand guidelines and, oh, we couldn't say this and we couldn't do that. And this is our target audience. And I was like, who are, who's making these decisions because as far Mm. as I was concerned the real cool people are people that don't really have that much that have to make everything they have out of absolutely nothing or what's lying around what then happens with that stuff with that content shall we say Mm. is it's picked up by mainstream and then turned into an advert yeah so I couldn't understand like what what these kind of glass ceilings I was hitting were so I was like I'm gonna go into the belly of the beast and destroy it so I got into advertising I I took an in-house editor job and just forced my way in and up and that was approaching nearly six years ago now 
And so, yeah, within my work, it's always been quite funny because I've been always been the complete opposite of everything that is meant to be, which has been really entertaining. But also, if I'm really honest, really stressful and tiring as well, because advertising offices and spaces are quite hostile spaces, especially if you're just there predominantly to protect the culture. Yeah. If, if you're there to uphold integrity in the ideas, if you're there to make sure that the Pepsi ads with, uh, what's her name? Yeah, Kendall. Uh, yeah, don't happen. So yeah, it's been quite a stressful journey, but also I've done some amazing things and been able to influence some amazing things. And I think the way that I've probably kept my sanity to tie it back into the second part of your question is my personal work and my filmmaking. I never, ever stopped. I just started only doing it for myself. And within that space, I don't really have any kind of boss or anybody telling me like, no, you can't do that because the logo has to sit here. So in that space, I have complete freedom. And then within the commercial space, within that advertising space, I'm able to distance myself from it in a way that allows me to keep fighting without sacrificing my complete sanity. And it's interesting that you're talking about what it's like being within the advertising industry. You use the word fight. So sometimes you said it's tiring and 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 that it feels like you're fighting sometimes to make sure that the right message and narratives are going out. And maybe it's an anomaly that we're we're thinking about like advertising's potential to challenge racism when, you know, you know from your perspective how hard it is and you're challenging racism just by existing in that area in the first place. We're talking about advertising, which is like a democratic medium, right? It's on the TVs, it's on your screens. And and we're thinking about its potential to challenge racism and the response to that Sainsbury's 2020 Christmas advert, which included a black family, kind of shows us where we are in the UK regarding representations of blackness on our TV, in our everyday lives. We can see that it's still very problematic for the racists in this country to see those kind of images. And I just wondered if you thought that by doing the simple thing of placing a black family or a black person within an ad in an everyday setting can in any way challenge the racist rhetoric that we've been hearing so much in our country recently my job whether that is in the commercial sphere or like my personal stuff is to talk to and encourage good people Hmm. to shine as bright as they can to then go on and tell their stories to feel emboldened to feel Hmm. empowered to feel seen yeah uh, and loved that's all so Regards to that Sainsbury's advert, which is a very beautiful advert, love it. I wasn't surprised by the response because Britain is is racist Mm. and Britain is problematic. And yeah, it it was never a surprise, that reaction. But we got to talk about like, what was that work made for? It was to allow the millions of black households who spend millions of pounds in Sainsbury's to be seen and represented. Mm. Like I like to even stop for a minute to discuss why the racists were reacting and what they were upset Mm. about as if they've never been in Sainsbury's and seen black people Mm. shopping 
Are you okay? <laughs> so, like, they're dizzy. That is not your job. That mm. is not our job. It's even like with the stuff that's just recently gone on at the Capitol and lots of prominent black activists were just saying like, yo, everyone just sit this out. This is nothing to do with us. If you are remotely ignorant, uh, racist or any of those things, you're in the wrong. But what we're doing over here is enjoying each other's companies, enjoying mm. each other's talents and just encouraging each other. So I think when the work is made in the first place, my question is always like, who are we making this for? Who are you trying to talk to? There is certain yeah. work that has come out recently from different brands and they want to be saying out loud, like, oh, we love black people, la, 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 when starting out to make work in any space. But I think particularly in advertising space with whole clients, is like, why are you making this? There is certain work that's come out recently from different brands where you can tell that they are like, right, well, Black Lives Matter is is trending and it's still a conversation. So we need to show that because we need that money. It tells me you're aware how much of the Black Pound circulates within your business and you've never cared to speak up. And this is why, like, when Nike did it, yeah, it was kind of bait because it was just like, we know what you're doing. But equally, it was like, also, you're doing the right thing because you know how much money we spend within your brand. And also, mm-hmm. it's common sense and it's right, like, the thing that you're standing up for is completely right. But there are certain brands that have come out recently and they haven't asked themselves the question, who are we making this for? Mm. They just wanted to put their logo slapped on it. You cannot do that. People's lives, they're not commodities. It was obvious after last summer, the brands who were doing that, like you said, A, who is that for? Like who who does it reach? Because it certainly doesn't reach the black community and make them feel like represented or heard or acknowledged because, you know, you weren't doing it before. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, you know, if you want to create honest and engaging content, it has to come from a place of good intent. And I'm thinking of like, I think I sent you a clip. It was of that 2016 Volkswagen Tagan ad. So they're trying to sell a car. And in one scene, they had like a boring looking dad dressed in grey, driving his kids to school. And there was classical music playing in the car. And the kid was mortified and was not happy to be in the car with her dad. And then in the next scene, there's the Volkswagen Tagan and there's hip hop. The kid and the dad are having a great time. Like all the main characters are white. So it's a classic example of appropriation in an ad. And I'm just thinking how those kind of ads go through like the whole process, how that's kind of been um, like signed off all the way that that kind of appropriation is okay. Like the Pepsi ad kind of thing, like how weird yeah. that was, how it gets signed off, but also how it happens where no one would even stop to think that why are we doing this and taking from a culture rather than including and representing people. The first thing would be, right, that car brand would be like, oh, this is our new car. This is who we're trying to sell it to. This is a demographic. So we're looking at this type of person. That is, first of all, a space where bias can kind of creep in. Right, well, they have to be a white family and la, la, la. You know, it's comedy, (laughs) irony. Like, people love to hide behind 
uh, oh, okay, okay. and comedy all the time. I was just a joke. I was just playing. But we do it in the workplace all the time. Mm. That will go off to a strategist. And that strategist will go off and find an insight into what it is that makes people buy cars, specifically will spend that amount on a car, and how you can talk to those types of people. Mm. That will then come to uh, creative or myself with that insight after it's gone back to client and they're like, yeah, this is a great insight. So at that point, it's just about how do we sell this car into these people, right? right? That then comes back to creatives. We will probably come up with like three or four territories, which then turn into three or four ideas of that. That then goes over to... That goes to client, they're happy, they sign off, we then get into production, boom, we have to find a director. Directors then come back and they write their version of that idea that we've written. It might not Mm. be that different, but more time if they're a good director, no tea, no shade, they would have taken the thing and remixed the whole thing and come up with a completely fresh take on it. And that's how the ad gets made. Sometimes it is, it's just a full-on white team. But sometimes there are black and brown people involved. And mm. a couple of things can happen. One, if you don't have the seniority that I have, or mm. if you're not from Croydon as I am, you don't get heard. What we got yeah. to remember with me and my career is I, again, didn't come through this traditional route. So I do not understand the concept of a hierarchy in terms of fear. Mm. That doesn't mean that I'm not respectful or professional, but it, it it does mean that I'm not bothered about your title. If culturally I have something to say that you have no lived experience over, you will listen to my concerns and we will not leave the room until you understand what it is that I'm trying to get through to you. I'm usually able to turn the tide and be like, you're not listening, you know, and I've been known to walk off of complete jobs now, so that's a complete privilege because if you've never freelanced a day in your life, if you've never run your own business, if you've never had to connect the dots in that way, of course, like that nest egg of your job and that title, you're going to protect that with everything. So this is the other part of it. There are people in jobs that they do try to talk up, they're not listened to, they don't want to rock the boat because they're just trying to survive. Because for any black or brown, anybody that's an ethnic minority, there are a million things, let alone trying to argue about an ad in a workplace that you have to deal with. Do you know what I mean? Whether it's the snide comments from so-and-so at that part of the office, the touching of hair, the microaggressions upon microaggressions, there's just all of this stuff. It's very tiring in general, especially being in the space that isn't built or equipped for you. So I think when I started in advertising, I think there were people that I met like that. And I used to be like, why are you like this? Why are you, what's that woman's name? A Candice Owens, are you okay? Yeah. (laughs) And then I was like, you know what? You lot are just trying to survive in this space. And your way of survival is, yes, you said a thing, nobody listened. And then you kept it moving because you're just trying to pay your bills and keep it moving. And you know what? I respect that and I support you in that. And what I'm going to do for you is be your mouthpiece. And I'm willing to take the bullets. I decided I want to get into advertising and turn things around. And that is my purpose. But um, the way that that ad could have been made is like, yeah, it could have been flagged loads and loads of times. But no one listened. The other part of it is it might have been a black creative working on that. And 
they did put that song in there because they felt like it was representing a part of the culture and that's the most that they could do from their perspective and from their lived experience. For instance, I once did an advert in the middle of Brixton and while we were filming, they shut down a part of the market and there was this guy that came up and he started cussing out the whole of the the production. <laughs> and so I took him aside. I'm going to talk to him on a level. And I explained to him, like, I'm the guy behind this whole idea. And what mm. you've got to understand is there are a couple of things that could have happened. And I've done the best that I can. Right. So, for instance, when we booked out that part of the market and they shut it down, the production was talking about, we're hiring, we're going to hire in actors to play market store traders. And I was like, no, what you're going to do is pay the market store traders their amount of what they would have lost a yeah. day for not being there. And number two, you're also going to pay them that actors fee to be in the advert in the background. They don't have talking parts or anything like that, but they can just do as they're doing and do what they normally do and get paid double amount of money. That's what we're going to do. And we're also going to donate this amount of money to this cause within that area. The problem with mm-hmm. that is, what am I going to do? Put a subtitle of that at the bottom of my ad when it's on TV. Right, I hear you. Do you get what I mean? I think that advert, like, I I was never really a fan of it, but I just try to look at things from, like, uh, perspective all around. And I think that we have to walk the same line that we're trying to get other people to walk in. Yeah, I understand. My creative partner... He's incredible. And if I couldn't work with him in advertising, then I wouldn't work with anyone else. And I think that's when I would stop, if I'm really honest. He's probably the main reason that I've actually also been able to hold on to my sanity and um, haven't gotten myself into serious trouble uh, when I've really wanted to kick off because he stepped in and kicked off for me. So I remember there was an ad that we were doing and... From the get-go, we were like, right, so the cast is going to be diverse. And somebody internally on our side was like, oh, yeah, well, you know, just remember, (laughs) uh, it's for uh, Europe, you know, Eastern Europe. Tom was just like, are you trying to say there are no uh, black people in any parts of in in those countries? Is that what Mm -hmm. you're saying? Mm -hmm. Are you okay? And because Tom is a middle-class white man saying that, there is a privilege he gets away with. If I said that, like, people would have been trying to call for security. I kid you not. It sounds dramatic, but if you keep in mind what literally just happened at the Capitol, you can see the difference. Well, I was just thinking. Right. Yeah, yeah. People need to understand that what happens on, like, a, a big social, political, cultural scale is also represented in our everyday lives on a micro scale. 100%. In the end, I was like, I am not working on this. If this goes this way, Tom was like, well, that is my partner. So where he goes, I go and vice versa. And then the director at that time, she was like, yeah, I only signed on to work with these two. At the end of the day, we got to a point of where we wanted to be and it was going to be diverse and all of these things. By the time we got to the client now and we presented who we wanted to be in it, how diverse we were going to make it, he was like, yeah, this is amazing. Great. I know with that Pepsi ad, for a fact that every single black or brown person involved loudly contested it and was like, we shouldn't be doing this is wrong. No one listened because they were just gassed. And then the backlash and then all of those people were very much like, we, we literally told you and you didn't listen. 
for people who aren't involved in the industry and in creating adverts, it's very easy to sit at home on your couch to look at the screen and to make a complaint about what you see without really understanding, A, the processes and the political agendas within the whole process of creating an ad. And at the end of the day, regardless of the ethics or how big the heart is of the people involved in the team of what they are creating, ultimately, isn't advertising still about selling a product? Is it really possible for advertising to be fully inclusive at this point in time from the position that you are and based on everything that you've just told us? I just want to wrap up with with that thought from you, really. For instance, that guy that was kicking off in the middle of the market, who was a resident, he was right. When we talk about gentrification as well, mm. you know, Brixton, Peckham, et cetera, et cetera, what I'm against is when these spaces come in and they forget whose community they have moved into. Just because the buildings were cheap doesn't mean there wasn't a community there. And so when people sit at home and judge these things, they're judging them from like a real honest place, especially if it feels like it's infringing upon their area or their kind of culture. Now, somebody might listen to this and be like, well, what's the difference between the people complaining about the Sainsbury's ad and not? And I think the main difference is, is that you're clearly just being stupid and racist. That film, at the core of it, was just about the sentiment of Christmas, the tradition of Christmas and how people and different families come together at Christmas. Mm. I don't know how you don't applaud that and don't feel warm about that. But then other things that come along, like, you know, the Kendall Jenner Pepsi advert, that is a piss take because it's like, do you know what? If that wasn't Kendall doing that in a real life situation, she could have lost her life with those police. Are you okay? Like, yeah. you can't. That is a serious subject. So I think people are okay to complain, but I just think when you're complaining, like, don't be lazy with your complaining. I've always believed that there is a big responsibility in advertising. I can make a television advert and it reaches millions upon millions of people or I can make content on the internet and equally reach even more people globally. That is an incredible tool. We are no longer in like 1950s or like 60s where advert comes on and you believe everything you are being told. We are literally just off the back of like the ending of that man in the White House and hopefully soon that man in number 10. And Mm. we've seen how much they lie and go back and forth nothing is the truth like we've all got into a space where like actually let me just double check this fact that's the time that we live in so when I make an advert I never come at it from a space of anyone is just going to believe anything that I am saying the insight has to make complete sense and it leads back to who am I actually talking to so the same three advert is a great advert because it's about a family coming together and enjoying the memories of Christmas, etc., etc., etc. That's a universal thing if you celebrate Christmas. Now, that Sainsbury's ad was still selling you something. It was selling you that Sainsbury's is wholesome, it's trusted, it values all of its customers, and that they were setting themselves up in a way that they've been part of your lives and your traditions for however long. It's very, very smart. That's the insight there. That's what they're selling to you. They're selling like why they are relevant which was a smart thing to do last year, put a really lovely smile on most people's faces when they saw it. 
that's good advertising. Bad advertising is when it's just, uh, we're just selling the products and you will buy whatever we want you to buy. Every time you turn on the television and it goes to ad break, we all understand what are we now being sold. There's still power in advertising, you know. You're talking about the messages that people accept from advertising, like whatever they're given. And I was just thinking about all the the weird colonial tropes that used to be sold in like products for the home. You know, they'd have the mammy character like selling these products and it was just completely wild and like you know I was born in the 70s I still remember those things you know I don't want to talk about the marmalade jar I remember growing up as a a child and like why is this on this jar and why is it in this house like very wild you know so now we're in a space as I said you you know you're being sold something and and we sell things to each other all the time so if you look at like IGV TV stories or the amount of space that we have in an Insta story or whatever, the way that that's even been set up, even if you look at TikToks, right? Mm. There is a quick setup, a twist, an end. Yeah. And we're all doing it automatically the way that we yeah. talk about stuff and try to get people involved in our things and tap hair and swipe up. We're all advertising to each other. So I don't think. The current world that we live in, there's no space for any of us to look at advertising as a big bad. We're all living in the time in the church of like commerce and, and money, etc. But that doesn't mean that advertising, sorry, doesn't have a responsibility. As you said, so eloquently said earlier, the things that happen on that big main political stage, they also are happening in smaller spaces that aren't on any of our screens. It's all mm. connected. It made me think that... What's happened with advertising is to where we are now from where it started. It, it Like it started as this kind of dictatorship in the corner, like this bright light, almost like George Orwell, 1984, like a message would come out and people would follow, yeah. you know, and it's very simple. And whatever message we're giving you, accept that message and go and act accordingly. And we've moved way past those times now. And because of the democratization of social media, like you mentioned TikTok and all of these things, not only has advertising, have people started to advertise themselves, but also because there's so much power in social media and people are using the spaces in the ways that they want to, advertising has moved from that place of like a dictatorship. They've had to ground themselves in order to be effective and inclusive and representative. And so actually it has moved and it has progressed. It will still continue to do so, but actually that's being driven by the audience rather than the advertisers. And and the audience was always driving it because the money was coming from the audience. So that's not even a new thing. It's just we've all realised it. Personally for me it was a great year because it was like everything got locked off. People who had access to funds, equipment and all of those things all of a sudden didn't have their magic equipment. But... Mm. What I clocked was there were loads of people online who were making all of these amazing things with what they had. And I was just like, yeah, also, I'm one of those people. And that's why you saw so much personal work from me. Actually, the noise has quieted down. And and now we're going to really see who's really who's really artistic and who's really talented and who really just wants to make beautiful things. And you see that on TikTok and Insta and all of those spaces all the time. It's democratized. It's about it's it's about access. It should be allowing people to see that they actually do have access to all of the things. 
if they want it. That's a beautiful place to end. Where can they find you? If you want to, you don't have to, but like... Well, I suggest that you do. <laughs> at Kevin Morosky, yeah. There you go. Thank you so much, Kevin. No problem at all. <laughs>